In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. The text for the sermon this morning is today's Old Testament reading from Genesis, the well-known story of the Tower of Babel. It's one of those many stories in the Old Testament that teaches helpful lessons, that explains clearly why there are so many different languages in the world today. But God's actions in the story can be a bit confusing. What's the lesson for us to learn from the Tower of Babel? Don't make tall buildings out of bricks? No, God never commanded that we shouldn't use bricks or build towers. That would be silly since it's all a gift from Him to work and invent and build things. So maybe it wasn't the buildings and the bricks, but maybe it was that God thought that they were getting to be too powerful and He was threatened by them. And after all, when you're reading the text there, it says that it seemed like Anything that they could do, anything they proposed to do, they'd be able to do. They're getting to be too successful. We've got we to cut them off. Obviously, it's not that he was threatened by them, since he was the one who created them and gave them all they had, even their abilities. He had destroyed once with a flood, and he could certainly do it again. And just simply put, if he had the power to confuse their languages, why would he be threatened by their ability to build a tower. It doesn't add up. So what was the big deal? What caused God's actions of confusing the languages and scattering the people all over the earth? Let's hear it again. Now the whole earth had one language and the same words, and they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the earth. And there we have it. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed. Well, first, they didn't want to be dispersed, and that was kind of a clear problem, because God, even after the flood and, and even also at creation, he said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. He specifically told them to scatter, and they didn't. So that's certainly a problem, but there's a bigger issue. It's not just that they wouldn't want to be dispersed. The problem was that they wanted to make for themselves a name. So why was that such a problem? Now we use that phrase today, I want to make a name for myself. And by that, we mean we want to become famous or well-respected for something. And so a kid grows up in a small town with little money, goes off and becomes a talented singer, and we'd say that he really made a name for himself. So is that the problem for God? That he didn't want them to be too famous? Well, that's not the problem. Since, after all, the idea of being famous is for other people to recognize you and to, and to know you to be famous. But the problem here was that everybody in the entire world was all gathered together building the Tower of Babel. So if the, if they were, if the problem was that they were being famous, they would be famous to who? You have to be famous toward someone. So fame isn't the problem. 
And even more, in the next chapter in Genesis, God will tell Abraham that he will make his name great. That is, Abram, I'm going to make you famous. And later, the world would know, the entire world would know of Solomon's wisdom and riches. He would be famous. So it's not that God didn't want them to become famous. Let us make for ourselves a name is a bigger problem than fame. To have a name is not merely to have letters that are associated with you, that you write down on a name tag, and when someone says your name, you turn your head because of the sounds that came out of their mouth. But names are more than mere sounds and letters that are associated with our bodies. Consider how we understand last names. As a child, your last name tells you who you belong to. You have the same name as your parents, so you're theirs. And it's not just parents, but all that those parents have is yours. You live in the house, even though you don't pay the mortgage, you say it's your house as a child. You eat the food. The child looks in the parking lot and says, look, there's our car, though she can't drive and she's not making the payments. The child's identity and belongings, all that she has is wrapped up in her name. When marriage comes, the name of the husband is given to the wife, for they become one flesh. All that he has is hers, and all that she has is his. So name gets at all that we have and all that we are. And God had given his people a name. The Lord came into the Garden of Eden after the fall into sin and made a covenant with Adam and Eve. He covered them with sacrificed animal skins and promised the Savior the seed of the woman would crush Satan's head. That sacrifice didn't just solve their nakedness, but it delivered the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross to them, even though it hadn't happened yet. Jesus is the lamb sacrificed before the foundation of the earth. Since he's God, what he does on the cross is for all time and all places. And so the cross is delivered to Adam and Eve by those sacrifices, just as the Lord's Supper delivers the cross to us today. In the garden, they weren't just clothed with animal skin, but they were clothed in God's righteousness. That's what that sacrifice in those skins was all about. He was covering them in his righteousness. He was giving all of himself to them. And when you have all of another, you have their name. That's the covenant that God makes with us by dying on the cross for us. He gives him his full self to us. All that he has is ours, giving even his own life that we would have life. Just as your name tells you which parents, house, car, and inheritance are yours. When Adam and Eve are covered in all that belongs to God, he has given them his name. A name is not merely the letters attached to a person so they turn their head when, they, when you call them. But God's name 
is more than a symbol for him. His name is him. To have his name is to have all that belongs to his name. His presence, inheritance, so that when he dies, he gives us everything he has. It's to have his possessions, his belongings, his honor, life, identity, and value. All from him. In making that covenant in the Garden of Eden, God has put his name upon them. It was their righteousness. It was their salvation. They're all. They belong to his name. Genesis 11. Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens. And let us make for ourselves a name. More evil and hurtful words had never been spoken. To seek for themselves a name was to reject all that God had given them, specifically the salvation and righteousness he had wrapped them into. It meant to stand on their own merits and to deny God's mercy. For our context, a name for myself is fame. For Babel, it's a rejection of all the Lord delivered to them. It was idolatry of self and denial of God's promises. For us to seek a name for ourselves is not simply to become famous so that our name would be on a building someday like Willis Tower or Wrigley Field. That's not what this is about. For the sinner to seek a name for himself today is for the sinner to reject the name of the Lord, to deny his gifts that he delivered to us through holy baptism and the preaching of the cross. You might say that we build our own towers of Babel with our self-justification and our denial of him as our savior, acting as though we aren't so bad We're not so bad that we need to be saved by another. We don't need his mercy. Or we can do it on our own. Or by removing ourselves from his word and his gifts, as though they aren't central to all that we are and all that we do. They're not that important. We don't need them. We build our towers by our worshiping other gods, as we fear, love, and trust in ourselves and anything else more than him. To make for ourselves a name is to cut ourselves off from God's mercy and salvation. Let us make a name for ourselves. More evil words had never been spoken. Genesis 11. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they have all one language, and this is only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and there confuse their language so that they may not understand one another's speech. To sinners who have rejected his name, who have insulted his love and mercy, to those who despised his name and wanted to make one for themselves, what will God do? Verse 7, come, let us go down. More merciful words had never been spoken. God could have stayed up in heaven 
leaving the sinner in unrepentance to walk away from the Lord and reject his name, leaving them in eternal death. But he doesn't. He came down and hammered them with his law as a gift to turn them from their own names and their own self-justifications, to turn them from their idols of self and denial of him. He scattered them from their evil plans and turned them back to himself. Because his name is the only one that saves. God coming down is the gift of repentance, turning them back to his name. Your Lord, who came down to bring repentance and faith to those at Babel, comes down to you today as well. He has given you his name in holy baptism. All that he has is yours. Eternal life, salvation, eternal peace with him. He comes down to you in the preaching of his word, turning you from your idols and your self-seeking lives and forgives you wrapping you up in his righteousness once again. He comes down to you today, giving you his body and blood and his supper that he had won for you on the cross. That same forgiveness and life is delivered to you today. That's the gift of Pentecost that we celebrate this day. Our Lord doesn't leave sinners alone to die with our self-made names and towers but he has come down into our flesh and died in our place on the cross. He has come down, sending the Holy Spirit to bring us the gift of repentance and faith through the preaching of his word. Pentecost is the gospel of God's saving name going forth into all the world, that sinners would hear the gospel of sins forgiven in their own language and know that they stand before the face of God not with their own works or with their own names, but fully justified, declared fully righteous and forgiven and holy because they bear the Lord's name. We do not make a name for ourselves. We bear the name of the living God who loves us so much he gave himself to atone for our price. The name going out into the scattered peoples of this world, cutting across every boundary, all tongues and languages, going to all peoples, even to us and to our children. In the name of Jesus, amen. We stand and confess our Christian faith in the words of the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. 